morning, whether you've been here many times or whether this is your first time here or whether you're watching online for the first time or many times, I hope you feel a spirit of unity as we come to worship our God this morning. It's great that we are able to meet together in this way. Just one announcement before we sing our first hymn, and that is that the calendars are, as you've probably seen, in the foyer, ready to pick up. If you've got a query about them in any way, please speak to Steve Potts, who has organised the distribution. When we want somebody to take notice of what we're saying, we often repeat. And I think that must be in in the mind of the hymn writer when our first hymn, where he says, holy, 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 and repeats it in every verse. He wants to remind us of the authority and goodness of our God, the greatness of our God. So, shall we join together and remind ourselves the greatness of the God who we come to worship here this morning?
this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29. This is the writer to Hebrews. We're reaching the end of this great chapter 11, the by faith chapter. And verse 29 starts by faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. And we'll read through to chapter 12 and verse 4. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you, may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alan, and that part of God's Word, John will be preaching to us later in the service. 
We live in uncertain times, don't we? We do not know, as it says in Proverbs, what a day may be bring forth. Uh, our next hymn encourages us, though, to trust in the Lord. Be still. I'm going to read the second verse, if that's possible to bring up, Dave, the second verse. Be still, my soul, the, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be brought at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know the voice who ruled them whilst he dwelt below. And following this, our children, if they come to the front, Martin is going to speak to them. children. 
That's it. Great. Come and find a seat. Fantastic. Good. Well, I got asked a question yesterday by my mum. She asked me a question. And I wonder if you've been asked this question as well. She said to me, she said, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Now, have you been asked that question? Perhaps some of you younger ones, what would you like for for Christmas? What would you like for Christmas? A new scooter. What a wonderful present that would be, okay? And if I was to ask you the question, what do you want me to get you for Christmas, what would you say? Oh, what do you want me to get you for Christmas? Nothing. Okay, all right. Nothing. Now, I've got another question, and this is a question that Jesus asked, okay? And he asked this question. He was walking towards Jerusalem. He was with his disciples, okay? And they'd come, two of the disciples, James and John, had come and asked him for something. And Jesus said, does anyone want to read that? Go on in, Flo. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if I say that to you, what would you like me to do for you? Any answer? If you couldn't think of a Christmas present, then I don't think... No? I know there's one person who would say, could you do my homework? Dad, would you be able to do my homework? Oh, wonder what I'd reply to that. Okay. Well, Jesus, he was asked a question. He asked them a question. What do you want me to do for you. And they asked him, this is what they wanted, okay? Ready? Now this is a picture in Westminster Abbey, the House of Parliament, of three thrones. And James and John said, when you are king, so Jesus, when you are king, we would like to sit either side of you, on the left hand and on the right hand. We want power. We want glory. We want people to look at us. What do you think Jesus' reply to that was? No. Well, he didn't say no, but he realised that the disciples didn't understand why he'd come to live on this earth. They didn't understand that he was going to die. They didn't understand that, yes, he was going to be a king, but not here on this earth at the moment. See, we're very privileged. We've got the whole Bible, okay? We know that Jesus died. We know that he rose again. And we know he's gone to heaven. And we know that one day he's going to come back. But the disciples didn't understand that. They thought Jesus was going to be a king here. And Jesus realised he had to do some more teaching. Now, they carried on walking toward Jerusalem and they came to another place called Jericho. And at Jericho, there was a blind person. Blind Bartimaeus. And he was lying, he was sitting on the side and he was begging. Do you think he liked being blind? I'd hate to be blind, wouldn't you? Okay? And he heard Jesus was coming. So he called out in a loud voice. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the people went, shh, shh, don't talk loudly. It's Jesus. And he went, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Because he wanted Jesus to hear him. Okay? 
He didn't worry what the people were thinking. He knew he wanted Jesus to hear him. And Jesus said, okay, bring him to me. And Jesus said, he asked him a question. And in red, who else would like to read the one out in red? Go on then, Jess. The same question. So he'd already asked it to the disciples. And a few verses later, he's asking blind Bartimaeus. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And blind Bartimaeus, he knew what he wanted Jesus to do because he was determined that Jesus would hear him so that he could ask him. And he said, and what do you think he was going to ask Jesus for? Ah, he wanted to see again. Of course he did. Of course he did. He wanted to see again. Now... Jesus knew he had to carry on with his teaching. And in between those two verses, we've got this verse here, okay? And he's teaching his disciples. Go on, Katie, um, you wanted to read one out. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, read it out nice and loud. So Jesus said that he came not to make people powerful, okay? What did he come to do? Ransom. Brilliant, thank you. To give his life a ransom for many. Now, I was trying to think ransom. What does the word ransom mean? Okay. I don't know if any of your children's books, if you've ever read, read where someone has been kidnapped and they've had to pay some money to release them. Okay, they've had to pay some ransom money. Now, Jesus, it's not about money, but he's saying that when he died, he came to free those people who believe in him Okay, that his death on the cross would forgive them for their sin, would take the punishment for their sin. So he came to free them from the punishment that they deserve from God. So that's what he wanted to teach the disciples. That was what was the verse tucked in between these two questions. So as I finish, I'm going to ask you a question. Does anyone think they know what the question might be? Okay, and Jesus today is saying, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Steve said earlier about repetition, didn't he? Okay, and three times, okay? So he's done it to the disciples, and the disciples wanted power. They didn't understand, okay? And it wasn't just James and John, it was all of them, because the other ten were really cross that they had asked, okay? And we got blind Bartimaeus. He wanted, okay, he wanted to have his eyes, his sight restored, But what do you think Jesus wants us to ask for? Could anyone think what Jesus really wants us to ask for? Katie's got her hand up. What do you think Jesus wants us to ask for? Flo, Jess, anyone else? Go on then, Jess. Forgiveness, brilliant. Okay, the blind man knew he couldn't do anything. And Jesus knows we can't do anything about our sin. We have to ask him, okay? And I want you to be like the blind man. The blind man, he shouted. He wanted his eyesight back. And it's so important that you come to Jesus and ask him to have your sins forgiven. Okay, so that's what I want you to take away. If you want to read the story, it's in Mark 10. But that's what I want you to take away, that it's so important that you ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins, and he's willing to do that. Thank you for listening so well.
Well, thank you, Martin. The last verse of the last hymn we sang, Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed we shall meet at last. And our next hymn points to that higher throne where we shall be forever with the Lord. There is a higher throne than all this world has known where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come before the sun will stand made faultless through the Lamb. Believing hearts find promised grace. Salvation comes. John preaches, shall we commit our time in prayer? <coughs> our gracious God, we are thankful that we can come together here this morning around the Word of God. We have freedom still in our land to worship together. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will bless each one 
who has come here this morning, you know each one of us, you know what we are thinking, you know how we have come, and we pray, O Lord, that your word may be blessed to our souls, that the Holy Spirit may apply what we hear, what we sing to our hearts, and that we may search our hearts to find out what we believe, what we trust in, what we hope for. O oh Lord, it is your work, and we long to see the Holy Spirit working in boys and girls, middle-aged, older friends. We pray, O oh Lord, that there may be many blessed, there may be much fruit from the ministry here. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will bless John in his ministry here this morning and this evening, that you will enable him to preach the word, that word that you have put on his heart to preach about. And, O oh Lord, we pray that we may be attentive hearers. O oh Lord, it is so easy for our minds to be distracted, to think about something else. O oh Lord, forgive us for that and make us focused in our hearing this morning, in our thinking. And we pray, O oh Lord, that it may not just be uh, our thinking and hearing, but as we go about our work during the week, whatever that may be, or whether we're at school or what we're doing, that the word that we hear here on a Sunday may direct us, may keep us, may help us to live as lights in this dark world. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will be with us this afternoon in our communion service, that you will help turn in taking that service. And that, O oh Lord, we may remember with great thankfulness what you have done for us. O oh Lord, soften our hard hearts. May we, O oh Lord, Repent over our sins. May we, O oh Lord, give thanks for Calvary and what happened there. And we pray, O oh Lord, that <coughs> you will be with us each in these uncertain times. Give us that conscious awareness that you are the sovereign God over all. Not events, not an event can happen without you knowing. It is far too difficult for us to understand, but that is the case, that you are the sovereign God, knowing and ordering all events that happen. 
And we pray, O Lord, that you will give wisdom and strength to those who lead us. Guide and direct them in their thinking about the COVID and the spread of the disease, another variant. O Lord, give wisdom to our scientists as they seek to combat this. Give wisdom and strength to our National Health Service, those who so diligently uh, work. We pray, O Lord, that you will sustain them under the heavy burden that they bear. We give thanks for their diligence. We give thanks that still in our land we have the National Health Service and all that it's able to do for us. We pray, O Lord, for the word that will go forth this day through this land. Do encourage your servants in their ministry. May, O Lord, your word be applied to the hearts of many to turn them from their ways, to turn them to you. O Lord, we have sadly, as a nation, departed grievously from your word. O Lord, we pray that there might be a mighty work done in our land to revive us, to turn us back to you, Oh Lord, it seems impossible. But give us faith to believe that you are able. Nothing is impossible with you. And oh Lord, we pray that uh, the endeavours uh, that have been made in amongst us here, the wreath-making project and the, the message given then and mums and toddlers, and as the calendars go out, the word of God uh, for each month visibly displayed. Oh Lord, we ask that this may have an effect upon those who have heard and who hear and who see. That there might be, oh Lord, even in this area of ours, a realisation of how far we have departed from our God. And at this time of Christmas, we ask, O Lord, that we may take opportunities when they arise to speak of the true spirit of Christmas and what it means to us. We pray, O Lord, that we may look and have those opportunities and be courageous in taking those opportunities to speak of the Lord coming to this earth and the reason why he came upon this earth. We pray, O Lord, for the work that goes on in our Sunday school and in Rooted. Pray, O Lord, that our children, our teenagers may be given that desire to seek after God. We pray, O Lord, that you will implant in their hearts the word of God. 
may, O Lord, they be true seekers, for you have promised that those who seek shall find. And that is what we desire for them, that they may find that there is a saviour, that their sins are forgiven. (coughs) We pray, O Lord, that our young people away from us here in universities and various places may be blessed and that they may be as shining lights. And we ask, O Lord, as the events come around at Christmas and they invite their friends and and their friends respond, we ask, O Lord, that that may be a, a message for those who do not know you, that there may be that seed that will take, be implanted in their heart and take root and be blessed. O oh Lord, we are asking great things, but you are a great God. It is your work, and we long to see it. We pray now, O Lord, that you will be with John and be with us. O Lord, make us attentive hearers and doers of your word. Thus we ask these things, O Lord, not because we deserve them, but because you are a God of grace and of mercy. O Lord, where should we be if you were not a God of grace? Amen. Thank you. Well, just to mention what Steve was praying about in terms of the invitation to the other Christmas services. Is it possible to get that slide at short notice, Dave? The, um, we've got the Christmas services coming up. They are good opportunities for us to get together, so please feel free to come to these services. But they're also tremendous opportunities to ask others. Um, so do be thinking. We, we perhaps haven't given sufficient notice. I should have uh, mentioned it in previous weeks because the first one, the candlelit service, is next Sunday evening. And that's a good opportunity to ask some people along. The following week, we've got the Christmas family morning service, which is an, another good opportunity perhaps for others. So do uh, look out for the... We have got copies of this um, slide on some cards if you're into invitation cards and you want to take them pass them on then do uh, but also it is has gone out on our Facebook page and our Instagram page now I'm not a whiz on these things but I understand you can share or copy or forward or or something those who need to know will probably know that that's another easy way to share it and invite people so be thinking is there anyone you can invite maybe it might be helpful for them just what they need Don't let the the opportunity go by. So I mentioned that. Well, we're now turning to um, Hebrews chapter 11. So if you've got Bibles, do turn to Hebrews 11. Or if you've got your app that you like to follow it on, Hebrews chapter 11. And we come with uh, some gusto to the end of 
this chapter of examples of faith. We have uh, gone past many examples of faith. If you've been here, if you haven't been here, don't worry, you're welcome here this morning or welcome watching But if you've been following some of these last Sunday mornings, we've gone past many examples of faith. And I wonder which maybe has encouraged you most. Um, The home groups, those who are in home groups in the week, uh, some of them might take a Christmas theme. Uh, Others of them might uh, look back on this chapter and and, uh, ask the question, which of these characters has... uh, helped us most, encouraged us, made a difference. We looked at the early ones, Abel, Enoch, Noah. We passed through, if you like, the Abraham collection, seeing it as a gallery of of different uh, portraits of faith. We thought about his family, particularly in their older years, and we looked at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. We had the Moses collection, and then last week we were thinking of the, the Red Sea incident and a couple of things that happened in Jericho. Which one has encouraged you, helped you most? Maybe none of them. Well, there's still one more round to come. There's still one more round to come. And in a way it's a quick fire round. A quick fire round of faith is what I've given the title this morning. Because in some ways it's like a a quick fire round that you get at the end of the quiz. Which is punchy and rapid flow. Lots of quick things mentioned and said. The pace is kept up. And that's what we find as we look at the last stretch in this uh, great chapter of Hebrews 11. Quick fire round of faith. And we're running out of time. Verse 32 says that. He feels he's running out of time. Hear what he wants to say. He says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of. So if you like, we're going through this portrait gallery of faith and we hear the five minute bell. Okay, the the exhibition's going to shut in five minutes and there's a lot we haven't covered. So we rush round the the final exhibits down and looking at the paintings and we haven't got a chance to stop. We just glance at the different ones that are there because we've got to get through quickly in time. And that's how it is with these last uh, nine verses in Hebrews 11. Rapid fire, quick, we're rushing through. We can't stop to say the whole story behind each picture. Time is not on our side. Quickly, quick fire, rapid pace. In verse 32, you've got six names mentioned. In verses 33 to 35, you've got uh, ten things that they did. In verses 35 to 38... You've got another 10 or 15 things that they experienced. In verses 39 and 40, you've got a summary of some of those things and indeed some of the chapter. And then it paves its way into chapter 12. So we will peep over the wall into chapter 12 this morning, which leads nicely out of the things that we've been looking at. So we're not going to be able to stop in this action-packed finale to consider all the details, but we will see some common threads in these verses. Some key notes, 
some messages that come through. And I'm going to just draw to your attention four things which I think are, are obvious from these verses. That as we look back at our last minute dash through the gallery of faith, we can think and think and reflect and we think, yeah, these were some of the things that impacted me as I went through those exhibits. There were things which would encourage, should have encouraged the dispirited, uh, vulnerable Hebrew believers that it was written to. And there are things that should hearten us in our faith when we are facing difficult times and hardship. Here's the things, four things about them. The first is this. They became powerful. They became powerful. These people of faith were great achievers. They were great achievers. Four of the names were from the judges period. Maybe you recognise them. Uh, one was a priest or priest, prophet, leader. One was a king. And then a whole batch of prophets are tagged on as well in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would tell, fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel and the prophets. And they were a mixed bunch. If you just take the first four, the first four judges in that list, well, you've got Gideon. He was quivering and hesitant at the start. In some ways, I think he's the Bible's Mr. Jelly in terms of his nervousness and his hesitancy. It didn't end like that, but that's how it started. And he's in this list. You've got Barak who was a commander, yes, but he, he needed Deborah to kick his backside to get him into action. You had Samson, who, despite his heroics, was often uncontrolled and made big mistakes with women. You've got Jephthah, Jephthah, who's perhaps best known for his ridiculous, sad, foolish, daft vow that he made which led to the loss of his daughter's wife, and yet he's in this list. Maybe you can identify with some of their failings, their foolishness, their fear, their folly. You feel something of their weakness, and yet God used them mightily. This mixed bunch achieved so much. Let's go into verse 33 to 35. You, you might, this is, these people aren't named who did these things. You make some connections in your mind, perhaps, who faith, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, that's Daniel, one of the prophets, quenched the power of fire, that's some of his friends, escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. They did powerful things. 
They were used mightily by God. There is accomplishments here. There are achievements here. These people originally of weakness and frailty, this mixed bunch, yet were people of faith, which God used mightily. And maybe you feel sometimes a bit of a downtrodden nobody. It feels as though your faith is just sort of stumbling along sometimes. Well, be surprised how God might use you. If you grow in faith, if you exercise faith, if you know God better, if you trust him more, if you seek his glory, God uses weak things mightily when they put their trust in him. Maybe as you demonstrate your faith by praying for the Sunday school teachers. Or you exercise faith by befriending someone and uh, looking over time to point them to Jesus. As you show faith by looking to invite somebody to one of the Christmas events. And it is a step of faith. You want to be natural, kind, use the right opportunities at the right time, but it still takes a little bit of courage. It's a matter of faith. Or you exercise faith as you commit time in encouraging others. Or as you seek to make sure that God is honoured in your family life and shapes the outlook of your children. Or you exercise faith as you start a, a network of Christians in your workplace. These weak people did powerful things. These people of faith were used by God. I love the translation that there is in some of the translations of one of the phrases, out of weakness were made strong. That's encouraged me this week. Out of weakness were made strong. They became powerful. God used them because they trusted in the living God. As we look back at this uh, gallery, we, we, we're rushing through, or we've rushed through, we see they endured suffering. They endured suffering. That's the other thing that particularly stands out as we go through some of these lists. So, 32 to 35, they became powerful, but when we look at the second half of 35 up to verse 38, we see how much they suffered. And we see how much they were prepared to suffer. They endured. Do you you suffer for your faith? You suffer for your faith. Do you expect to suffer for your faith? Uh, we, We suffer very little for our faith, don't we, comparatively in the UK... Uh, but we do feel daunted when we think we might be left out or, or looked down on or, or laughed at because of our belief in God. It's, it's, it can be hard. See what these went through and yet they stayed strong and endured. Pick it up, second half of verse 35. Some were tortured. 
Some of these instances refer to Old Testament. Some of them refer to things that happened in between the Testaments, which are recorded in other parts. So the torture there probably refers to Eliezer in uh, the Maccabees books and, uh, and that time, and he was stretched out on a rack. That's what that means, really. Tortured because of his faith. Stretched out on the rack. And that wasn't the end of it with the stretching. There were other things that happened to them once they were stretched. Others... Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging or whipping and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. Some of these things seem to refer to Jeremiah and were sawn in two. We're not told that in the Bible, but we're told it elsewhere, that that's how Isaiah ended his days. In fleeing from the king, he ended up hiding in a cedar tree. They cut down the tree in order to finish the job. They cut Isaiah in two as well with the saw. That's the way he finished his days, this man of God, this man of faith. They suffered. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute and afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts, you think of Elijah and Elisha, and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Well, such things still do go on in the world. Open doors... Uh, talks of believers in Eritrea often being herded into metal containers in the desert in the scorching heat and left for days. Open Doors gives a a very conservative estimate, uh, a very cautious estimate of the fact that ten believers a day lose their life purely because of their faith, not for other reasons, not complex cases, but purely because of their faith. Ten believers a day. Well, we don't have the same situations, we're spared them, so I hope we're thoughtful, concerned for those in those situations, but, but we feel the pressure perhaps in other ways. You feel you can't sign up to all the aspects of the LGBT plus promotions that you're feeling bullied into support and you're not at ease in your conscience with all the things and aspects of it. So you make a stand against this sort of muscular liberalism which is coming through the land. Maybe you feel the isolation of of believing in Jesus and you're the only one in the class. Or the only one who publicly in the class is identified with Jesus. And that feels very hard when you're in your teens. Or maybe you feel the laughs and frustrations because you don't get involved with something because it's going to regularly get in the way of you worshipping God on Sundays and you feel the frowns and you feel the tuts and you feel the laughs because of your devotion to God and there is endurance that's going on or endurance that's being faced or endurance that is required to go on. But they felt God is real, his word is true, I will endure. God is real, His word is true, I will endure. 
And so they endured suffering. And what a different perspective you get in this lovely little phrase in verse 38. He inserts, uh, midway through this list, of whom the world was not worthy, of whom the world was not worthy. So the world, humanity, didn't think these men and women were worth much. They were discardable, they were irrelevant, they were nobodies, they were weaklings, they were dispensable. That's how the the world viewed them. But you get God's perspective, which is so different, and God says, of whom the world was not worthy to have them tread on the world and be influencing. And perhaps you feel you're treated very lowly because of your faith, and you get knocks and you're discouraged I don't forget, God's view of the situation is so very different, of whom the world was not worthy. I came across one little illustration which reflects both of these first two points, actually. Uh, This week, it was about a a woman who got a a letter from an old classmate about 20 years on. And uh, the letter said, basically, uh, "You, you won't remember me, we were at school together. And she talks about an incident in year nine. In year nine they had a a teacher who was deeply anti-Christian and and very dismissive of the Bible and the Bible's teachings. And one day that teacher said from the front, there can't be anyone in the world who believes these things today. There can't be anyone in the world that believes these things today. And the letter said, but you made a stand and said, I do. And she said in her letter, I've never forgotten it. And in recent months, I've run into a lot of difficulties. I remembered your stand, and I started to go to a local church, and I've become a Christian. Out of weakness were made strong, endured suffering, and became powerful. Well, in some ways, we're coming to the end of the sort of dot, 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 quick fire round, but we haven't quite come to the end of the chapter. And we have our last two verses in this chapter, uh, which in in some ways summarise this big list at the end that we've come through, but they, in some ways, comment on the whole of the list. They tie the whole of the chapter up. They link in with verse 2, where you had a, a commendation from God, and here you have that as well as we go into... Our next point, which is, they looked forward. So, verse 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, as we think of that list, indeed the whole chapter, there were good things that God did for them in their lives. We, we, we read of some. So the sea parted. Uh, Rahab uh, w- w- was, was spared. Jericho fell. But largely, their earthly existence was still painful. Certainly that was true of the list of suffering we've just been looking at in the last few verses. 
they endured seeing beyond their own lives. You ask Isaiah as they get the saw out, is it about this life? And his mind's clearly persevering and enduring because of what's beyond. You ask Eleazar as he's on the rack. You ask Jeremiah as they start hurtling stones. They say, my faith in God is not just about the now and the suffering, it's about later and beyond. I'm trusting God's word, I'm looking forward, I'm seeing beyond the now. Well, Abraham and the the patriarchs, they had a long-term vision. They looked beyond suffering with confidence. So verse 39, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They looked for the coming Messiah. They looked for something that we now enjoy in terms of the the high priest coming, the perfect sacrifice being made, the way to God being made open. But them and us still look forward as we live in a world of suffering. You know, Billy Graham, he spoke about Christ in how many countries? In more than 185 countries. Over how many years? Over 50 years. To how many people? Over two 100 million people, very busy in this life, but said uh, famously, my home is in heaven, I'm just travelling through. Something better lays ahead. They looked forward. We had it in verses 13 to 16. Let me just bring that back in here. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But it is as they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Verse 35, some, at the end of verse 35, so that they might rise again to a better life or a better resurrection. And so we sang, there is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. Before the sun will stand, made faultless through the Lamb, believing hearts find promised grace, salvation comes. Hear heaven's voices sing, their thunderous anthem rings, through emerald courts and sapphire skies, their praises rise. All glory, wisdom, power, strength, thanks and honour are to God our King who reigns on high forevermore. And there we'll find our home. Our life before the throne will honour him in perfect song where we belong. He'll wipe each tear-stained eye as thirst and hunger die the Lamb becomes our shepherd king. We reign with him. So to endure the hardships and the difficulties, you need to have a long-term vision. 
So I, I had a trip to Specsavers this week, and um, my my long sight is okay generally, but I have problems with my short sight. Hence this, and I've got an upgrade coming on Thursday. Got problems with my near vision, but my long vision is okay. Well, I find it's the opposite spiritually. I find I can see things now and be very well things, but I get blurred and, and don't think about things which are further away. They're less clear. And maybe you find the same. Not very good with thinking about what's in the long term, just getting sort of your nose in what is currently happening. And to endure our difficulties, to grow in people of faith, we need to remember God's promise for the future and have a clear long vision. So they looked forward. Is that, is that what? Do you need to raise your sights a bit? To, to look beyond? Is that what's going to help you through the suffering? Is you remember God is real and his word is true and this is my prospect. Well, we finish chapter 11. But I've got a little bit more to say because chapter 11 flows into chapter 12. And it gives us one more thing to notice about these guys. They cheer us on. They cheer us on. Therefore, it's connected, chapter 12, verse 1. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, like the Hebrews, we may be somewhat sagging in our faith. If you like, battling with the, the menace of sin. Tempted to give up. As Christians, we're to look to Jesus. Jesus, above all these people, is the one who, through weakness, became powerful as he accomplished great things on the cross, endured tremendous suffering, looked forward to the joy that was in front of him. We run our race as Christians looking to Jesus. Let us run with endurance a race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus did those first three things. And as we seek to run our race of faith, looking to Jesus, living to Jesus, we have people, if you like, or examples, cheering us on urging us to keep going, telling us not to give up, telling us to throw aside the sin, to identify with God's people, to live lives of faith. It's encouraging to get one voice, isn't it? Keep going. But a crowd is very stirring. I have a family member 
who uh, didn't much like watching football during lockdown because there was no crowd and it was so different without a crowd singing, chanting, urging. The atmosphere was gone. Well, we have a crowd. We have a crowd because Hebrews chapter 11 is the, the cloud, or you could even say crowd, the crowd of witnesses cheering us on, not that they directly see us and are cheering us on that way, but their examples, their life, is urging us to keep going. And the last nine verses that we've looked at, which is this sort of rapid fire, is as if it ups the volumes and it ups the numbers and it's the crowd urging us on in the the last stretch of the race. Some of you at the women's retreat a, a month ago or so, and you heard from these verses, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, urged onwards. For those with very good memories, smart memories, at the start of the year we had a message here on Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 about running the race. Let those thoughts sort of be back in mind as we come out of Hebrews 11. This crowd of members of faith are urging us on. They're encouraging us. The gallery of faith is saying, keep going. Identify with Jesus. Live for him. Take risks. Go forward in faith. Trust in God. So, do you feel cheered on? Do you feel cheered on? by looking at some of these great characters of faith. Press on, living for Jesus, looking for Jesus in the race of faith. Hear the crowd. Well, we're going to be encouraged further by singing a song which is especially written with these uh, verses in mind. We have sung it once already. It goes to the Chariots of Fire uh, tune, so you'll be familiar with the tune. The heroes of scripture with hearts full of faith, their eyes on the city engaged in the race, with hope in the promise, encouraged to see invisible glories and joys yet to be. Shall we sing our last song?
Father, we thank you for the way in which your word stirs and encourages. We know that many do have hardships and difficulties to go through, sorrows and disappointments. We pray that considering the truth we have this morning and the examples we've surveyed this morning as well, we encourage us to look forward, to look to Jesus, to look beyond and to press on in the race of faith. Bless this time to us then as we go away. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.